Hello. Hello, and this is not a history lecture. Lecture. Wow, that was a dramatic change of mood than what we were just talking. <laughs> that's like that's my life, though. Like uh, that's how it is when I like get to class and I'm like all cheery and everything. Five seconds before, I was probably ready to murder someone. <laughs> See, I just keep the same energy in class, and it just makes class absolutely miserable to get through because mm. I just glare at the professor, and they're probably like, "What the hell is wrong with this girl?" <laughs> In the words of the Book of Mormon, turn it off like a light switch. Just go bap. Really, what's so hard about that? I'm going to get super right. Basically. If you can't tell, it's just glaring at cat. Every time you walk in a room full of people, you just got to like flip your attitude like a light switch. And this is a virtual room full of people. Well, at least one of us is upbeat. I am very out of it today. I don't know why. I'm not really upbeat. I'm dying. <laughs> this is about being real with our audience, Kat. Okay, let's be real. I worked in a, a building with no AC in the Texas heat today where there were mouse feces and dust and probably asbestos. I don't envy that. But it's well. Anyway. Oh my god, it's been so long. There. Yeah. Um, how was home, Kat? You my visited home? Knows they now. finally they know. know. And oh it was my the god. Anticlimactic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I was a little disappointed in myself and <laughs> I'm disappointed in your family. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> we got to eight though. We got to eight, eight. direct mentions before they Jeez. and I literally had to be like yeah, so this thing I do because I have a podcast. And I'm like, and oh my god! I think my mom might have been like slowly figuring it out because she's like, "Oh yeah, so so like oh okay yeah like a, a real like yeah." And it's like, "Yeah, we're on episode like twenty or whatever. Like we do this. We've been doing oh my god, it for we have so many episodes. <laughs> Why do we have so many episodes? I'm proud of us. I know. But, um, my dad just stood there silently, and I was like, wow, if anyone was going to hype me up, it was going to be I him. know. I was expecting your father to be like, whoa. He had tea, so I guess he had tea in his hand. I guess I can excuse him. He really likes his pomegranate tea. Maybe he was just feeling calm. Yeah. And it, centered. Yeah. My older sister said nothing, but I think it's probably because she was looking at me with disdain, and I just <laughs> didn't notice. Did you talk to them anything, like, any more about it? My mom. After? My mom asked what it was called, and I told her, it's like, this is not a history lecture. She was like, cool. And then no one said oh anything. <laughs> like, what about the next day? Did anyone no, say? No, no one spotted him. <laughs> oh my god. So I guess we're just going to forget that anyone knows about it now. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. They, they, they don't need to know how much effort I put into this. It's Jeez. fine. But yeah, how was your week? You went home too. Yeah, I went home. Um... It was good for the most part, except Friday, like something real weird happened to my back, which I had told Kat about, but I don't know. It was a little scary there for a minute, but it got better by the next day. So we're good. And yeah, uh, it was kind of like, it was good to see like my family and everything. My parents have a new puppy, so that's always fun. Um, they found her on the side of the road. It's not like they went out and bought her, but yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just kind of like it was raining, and I think it was raining here too. But it it would ra- it rained basically all week. Like it it, it did that up yeah. at home for me too. Yeah, I know it doesn't rain in where we are 
as much. Yeah, it literally just parts around us, which it did yeah, in three days. Everyone around I us know. got nice big storms, and we got like a light I know. drizzle. Which is why I was glad in Houston for when it was raining, because it was nice. I was like, I got to save all this up, because for the rest of the summer, it just will be... It's going to be... It'll be bright blue skies hot. and 115 degrees <laughs> without Gross. any respite. So... Yeah. Did I, I told you, right, that the first time I was here, like, I walked out of my apartment and there was, like, a bush burning. I've told you that. No. <laughs> what? Yeah, the first time I was here, me and my roommate, uh, <laughs> we were going to see The Incredibles 2. And I, like, pull out of my apartment's parking garage and there is one singular bush on fire. <laughs> like, I'm talking yeah, three foot, that. like, three foot flames, like, <laughs> on fire. Like, you can't even deny, like, it's, it was on fire and i like stopped the car because like where it was it was like very close to like my apartment personally and i was like well shit i don't want my shit to get burned <laughs> so i like was like um roommate call the fire department Let them know. <laughs> um yeah and Welcome to texas if you don't yeah. live here and i was like and it's weird because it was like this weird amount of space between the road and the bush so like if someone flicked a cigarette it would have had to gone really far oh. so that's why i like looked at it and i was like god <laughs> spontaneous combustion god of a bush? bush of a burning bush have you parted any red seas since then not 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 since then no we should go try i can't say that it's not in my future drive down to port aransas see if we can get the mud in the gross oily water to separate. yeah i'll go down to galveston yeah. and part that sea that'll be that's a good experience sludge at this point <laughs> hey don't back on galveston <laughs> uh i have swam in that water so many times oh me too yeah. me too like you can insult it all you want but in texas it's kind of the best you listen, get you just gotta the, like get in there and exactly it. listen and it's i mean the water's dirty yes no one's denying that but it's yeah. not dirty because of pollution it's dirty because of the way the gulf works yeah so it's like the currents don't carry that sediment out so it just stays there yeah um so it's not uh, there are there, there are pollution. parts that are there, really it is pollution i remember after the oil spill in like 2010 the bp one yeah um we like went a couple months later but mm. there was still like spots of oil in the water Ew. isn't it crazy yes yeah Ugh. um but yeah yeah did you you just visited family when yeah. you were in dallas i was kind of mad my sisters they, they live together so they made a plan which is great that someone made a plan um but they chose all the food in the restaurants and it was also my older sister's birthday that week so she kind of like i wasn't gonna tell her no but then they chose all the food in the restaurants for the whole time and i was like why are y'all getting free birds? I mean, I know they don't have it out where they are, but I was like, I would so much rather have like one of the local restaurants yeah. that like I can't eat here when I'm at school. And yeah, I guess if they yeah. don't have, they don't have a free birds where they are. Mm-mm. Really? The only one closed. It's like a call it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this you is why you don't thinking. go to school in the panhandle. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh my, my I, I swore that I Probably would Probably a just... dirt in it or sand. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah, so I, de- I declared to myself that when I'm home next, I get to choose where to eat because there are like there three restaurants that I went home with the sole purpose to eat and then didn't get to Yeah, I usually have my list of restaurants that I want to eat while I'm home. And I, I got I got one of them. Oh my God, my stomach's making noises. This mic is like very sensitive, so I don't know how much it's yeah, going to well, pick up. I'm going to need food after this, so oh, we'll see. Well, I haven't eaten since lunchtime, so. I haven't eaten. Yeah, you need to stop doing that. I can't. 
Anyway. Oh my god. Anyway. So episode seventeen. Here we come. Episode seventeen. That's so many episodes. It's been a chaotic last couple episodes between our emergency episode and our like three week late Mother's Day episode. Yeah. So well, we have everything. Everything's settled now. It should be at least for the summer. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah, we got this. We kind of have ourselves on a schedule with the month we're in now, which means that we are in the middle of a heritage month. Yes. It is currently May 26th when we're recording this. I do think this will go out June 1st, but that does not mean that we won't still celebrate the Heritage Month because we weren't really between all of the complications with getting mics and Mother's Day and everything. We definitely want to still acknowledge that Heritage Month, which is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of fun. Um, And then next week... Our next episode is episode 18. We're planning on doing some pride stuff. So it'll be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing you some good stories. Some... Great stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I... Can you tell that we're kind of out of it? I can. Just a little <laughs> bit. I've been inhaling stuff all day that I shouldn't have been inhaling. That's fine. Oh, my God. Not in like a bad do... way. I just... There were a lot of fumes <laughs> in that building. <laughs> yeah. Cat's doing inhalants. No. Although, Although there's probably some, like, glue or something. In that that building. Like, that building's from, like, the 30s, I think. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, Kat has an interesting job. Much more interesting than my job for the summer will be. I'm just worried about masks and the public. That's why I avoid the public. Did you hear about about what happened at the museum on Wednesday? With the cops? Oh, my God. No, but after this, you should tell me. Yes. Uh, It was very dramatic. And apparently there's recordings. Apparently there's videos of it um, from an anti-maskers. Vax, ma- maskers. <laughs> same thing, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On their Facebook. Um. <laughs> oh, well, I'm definitely going to hunt that down later just because drama. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been 10 minutes now. And I do think that's Oof, usually sorry, the guys. amount of time that we chat. Yeah. Um, this is also like the first time Kat and I are seeing each other since. Yeah, it's been like almost two weeks. It's which been... Is- like, two weeks is, like, not a lot of time, but also so much time. When you're used to seeing that person basically every day, it, it feels weird. It is weird. It is weird. Yeah. So, we're back know. together. So, yeah. thank you for letting us chat. Yeah. Um, to talk to y'all li- live-ish. This is actually the episode going out next week, so. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. next week, yeah, and then I'm going to be in Colorado next week. So to record, so we got to record two this week. So we're gonna recording two this week, one for yeah. next week and one for the week after that, and then it's my birthday on the eighth. So very exciting, very right. exciting. Okay, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I guess take seventeen. Take it away, cat. Thank you. Um, I wanted to point out that like when I went, it's there are so many interesting and fascinating stories that come with like this this topic like with anything from aapi month like there are Mm -hmm. so many interesting stories there's so much history but um a lot of the ones that i was taught in school were like i don't want to say the the bad parts of it but they were the um the controversial pieces of history like but and i didn't really a lot of the negative stuff yeah yeah like i didn't want to like at some point i will definitely be talking about all the terrible things that have been done to people but i don't want to just talk about the adversity i want to talk about like the accomplishments yeah it's okay i'm talking about the adversity okay well mine is a story of (laughs) overcoming no i know what you mean and yeah that's true and it's a conversation that a lot of i actually just had this conversation with my roommate who is asian 
And we were kind of talking about how a lot of minority representation in history is the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so people of color who live in America just kind of see their history as just of one of suffering Mm -hmm. when it's not. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to tell those stories too. Yeah. But not ignore the bad stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I think this episode will work well. And I think we'll even each other out a a little bit because... Yeah. Which is funny because usually you're the one doing the... The dark and gloomy. The more rough stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about the tape family. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to talk about overcoming racism and adversity. I don't believe I've ever heard of this family. I haven't either. Cool. Um, And I definitely should have. So we all know about Brown versus Board of Education that basically says it was a Supreme Court decision that basically said separate but equal is not equal. And the best way I can describe that, Kaylee might have to help me on this one, is like, I don't have, there's no good analogy, but like saying we're going to have segregated schools and then white schools and saying that they're equal does not mean that you're actually providing the same resources and opportunities Mm -hmm. to those people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that can, it has to do with a variety of factors, but it all boils down to institutional racism. Yeah. Because unfortunately in America, hopefully someday this isn't an issue, but whenever you separate people by race, you're inherently going to have yeah you're, you're going to have a disadvantage if you're not white because mm-hmm. there's always that power structure and it's yeah. always been built on and i think the real issues with schooling and de facto or de jour mm-hmm. segregation um is that schools a lot of schools are funded most schools i think are funded based on property taxes in the area mm-hmm. so if you have a poor neighborhood yeah. which in america tends to be a you know, a minority neighborhood, mm-hmm. then that school is going to be worse. And then so separate. So that just yeah. added to the separate It adds to this yeah. cyclical yeah. issue of mm-hmm. this systemic, as our professor systemic, really likes. It's a yes. systemic issue and you're just feeding back into it, especially yeah. with the education system when you're working with young kids who mm-hmm. all have the potential and they're all, they all have the same capabilities. Yeah. So speaking of our professor who likes the word systemic, he got me free tickets to a museum in Colorado. So shout out. To Charlie. What a guy. Bro, when we do our um, Texas State tour to visit all our no, museums, no, we're he will. legit going to Yeah, because remember him. he told us, he was like, if you're yeah. ever traveling somewhere, let me know. And I was like, so I emailed him and I was just like, hey, I'm going to Denver. Is there any museums we can't miss? We want to go to at least one. Mm-hmm. Not expecting free tickets. And then he was like, oh yeah, go to the Natural Science Museum there. I'll get you some tickets. And I was like... Uh- Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say no. And then the lady emailed me today. I'm getting tickets to the museum, tickets to an exhibit, and IMAX tickets. Bro, this man has the hookup. (laughs) What? I was like, oh my God. Thank you, Charlie. I did not ask for this. I just wanted a recommendation. But anyway. He's one of those people that goes above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want, the museum world is very small, basically. Mm -hmm. And Charlie, one of our professors, knows a lot of people it's kind of insane but it really is but yeah if you i mean like i don't know i guess people i never thought about like the museum world you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like so we'd be if i was listening to the podcast i'd be like i would want to know more about that yeah well we should do if y'all ever have questions about museum stuff i mean we're only we've only got our first year graduate students we've got our feet in a large pool here but if you have questions maybe we can get our professors to help answer those someday yeah i bet charlie would come on here he totally would but i don't have the guts to ask him oh my god 
but yeah and then we'd have to like come up with like questions for him and then we have to have to like a setup and like know what we were no, doing stop i'm scared <laughs> anyway anyway sorry yeah sorry well i mean let's finally focus there's institutional systemic issues in museums too absolutely and that's, and that's what i'm doing my thesis on yes i don't think i've talked about this i'm i'm doing a thesis most likely most likely um and i'm going to be doing it on uh, representation issues in museum hiring well not just hiring but like staff oh, and yeah. um cultural competency training mm-hmm. in addition to that because a lot of the museum the lot of issues museums are facing is they want to hire more diverse but the people like there's just not a diverse hiring pool well and the education for it is predominantly yeah. found among yeah, yeah. there's yeah. The- there's we'll, so we'll many issues yeah but it's much like this school issue but like Mm -hmm. it's a systemic it's a cyclical thing and you have to make the effort to break past that Mm -hmm. and it's so hard when those opportunities aren't necessarily offered to your people group yeah 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 so before any of the brown versus board of education happened there's an there's an eight-year-old girl named mamie Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Mamie Tape. She's from San Francisco, and she brings this issue of segregation in schools to the forefront of the conversation. Um, except her discussion f- was featured around Chinese American students, and I'd argue that it's a huge. It's a not argue. It is fair to say that this is a huge step for civil rights movement stuff. But because it wasn't happening with a lot of those other prominent civil rights movements, I think it just doesn't get yeah discussed, which is that interesting part of history how you can do something a hundred years yeah. earlier and if it's not the right time uh-huh. and place it won't take off like we were well, talking too, about the printing press yeah and the bible like if those yeah. two things hadn't just happened at the same time they easily could have just like flopped. yeah well too like i know at the time it was definitely more of a conversation about black americans yeah but i think especially in history history books tend to paint it as only an issue of black americans yeah the civil rights era and segregation and stuff like that and it wasn't no i think that's true and i think it might be a part of that there's probably a really deep sociological issue there but i am like reading stuff now about it because we didn't ever discuss really we never discussed internment we never discussed any of this stuff in school it was like mentioned but it wasn't explored i didn't even get a mention really no like i I had to figure that one out on my own which i have learned messed up i have learned that my like american history teacher was like so freaking cool and he was like very intent on telling Mm -hmm. about just the like everyday stuff or not the everyday but like the bad stuff and the good stuff speaking of have you seen that new bill about the teachers the history teachers in texas wait what you haven't seen that oh no they're trying to limit it just like they did in kansas what Mm mm-hmm yep there's a bill currently in the texas congress that uh, they're trying to limit what is taught in American history courses, and they're trying to prevent American history oh, teachers no. from talking about current events with students. How do you talk about history and not talk about current events? Exactly. History is cyclical! These people... Oh my god, I'm so mad you about You know what? It. We can't talk about it now because we're both going to get too fired up. And but we're going to be here for three, like three hours. hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think you've got a... <clears throat> I think you've got a point because... I yeah. think that it's easier for Americans to look at it and say, like, oh, our racial issue is black versus white. Yeah. And literally, and that's that's the only sin we've committed. Mm-hmm. Even then, people aren't willing to admit that we messed up yeah. there or uh-huh. say they're sorry or mm-hmm. try to fix the issues that still exist. And I think that if 
they start to admit like, oh, you know, we have a problem with Chinese relations for a while. And then yeah. there's the admitting that we've had trouble with every racial relations mm-hmm. for a while now. I think mm-hmm. people just don't want to open that floodgate. Yeah. And that involves a lot of like dealing with America's heritage and like where we're coming from and what, how our past has gotten us to where we are now. And like, and there's then so it gets many, into how yeah. we are all on stolen land. <laughs> oh, and then we could go really far. We go back. way back. Anyways, oh, there's so ooh, many. This issues. whole episode's gonna be us just digressing oh further and further. Oh my anyway, god. We're gonna talk about Mamie again. So, um, this cape with this cape, this case was Tape versus Hurley. So, in September of 1884, Joseph and Mary, her parents. Joseph and Mary Tape take Mamie to Spring Valley Primary School to, you know, get an education. Mary literally walks Mamie to the school, and when they get there, the principal, Jenny Hurley, won't let her enroll. Shocker. There was a school board policy against admitting Chinese children to white schools. Even though in 1880, there was a law passed that gave every child in the state access to public education. Yeah, and this is like pre-Jim Crow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Mimi's case, um, I think it's fair to say that when she made her case to the school board and everything, that the response was a lot on social feeling, racism, and just local issues. Because California has this law that says, yeah, public, you have access to a public school, but the school board tells her, no, you can't. And I think that's where you see local issues. Hey, man, guess what? I'm going to talk a little bit about why in my half. Oh, okay, good. I'll I'll leave some of that to you. (laughs) Why there's such an issue in California with Chinese people specifically. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that it's easy to say, like, this was a local issue. But, no, this local issue was present in some way, shape, or form, in every locality in Absolutely. California and the U.S. at this time yeah. period, there's always going to be pockets. And it, mm-hmm. in this case, the pocket ran the school board. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> ran most other school boards, too. <laughs> everyone, yes. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were schools in the area that were previously designated as Chinese-American schools. So the school board was like, oh, you know, we could just send them there. Plot twist, no. The state hadn't given them proper funding so the chinese american schools had closed so the school board yeah walked itself into a corner they were like okay we don't actually have these schools anymore because we didn't fund them properly Mm -hmm. and now they legally have to admit her to public school but even with this little conundrum of theirs they still refuse to let her go most chinese parents because of this weird chicken and egg scenario had sent their kids to either mission schools or church schools or hired private tutors for their children. Um, And once again, making education more inaccessible only perpetuates, like, this whole concept of education and Mm -hmm. talking about how immigrants aren't as smart or something, which is complete bull. Yep. Um, oh, man. Oh, this is great. This works so well with mine. Oh, good. You're okay. like smack yeah. in the middle of my time frame. This oh, is amazing. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I'll just yeah. leave it at Eurocentric superiority complexes and I'll let you cover the rest. <laughs> um, okay. So there's, I'm sure you'll talk about that whole like stereotype about ability to assimilate. You yep. probably, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But 
and I'm not saying that you have to assimilate to any culture. Like you are a valid human being on a planet that Absolutely. is all of our planet. You yeah. do not have to fit into somebody's culture to benefit from mm-hmm. the community that you're a part of. Um, yeah. So I don't want this to sound like it's an, like basically Mammy's parents, Mammy, Mammy's parents were, um, very Eurocentric. And I'm not saying that should offer her benefits over people who yeah. didn't assimilate. Like, I want to make that like, clear. But, like, she is American culturally. Yeah. And not Chinese culturally. Yeah. So, like, yeah. her fam- her parents didn't understand, like, why is this Got not you. open to our child? It was yes. kind of the, part of the psychology of they yeah. were, like, it, it shouldn't be any different if they were still using their Chinese traditions and everything. But, mm-hmm. like... Her but parent, like it, it was, it helped her, her parents yeah. to push towards that whole like mm-hmm. we are Eurocentric yeah. people. And like there's no reason for us to be separate yeah. in any way. And and like I'll talk about this, but a big reason why Chinese immigrants were discriminated against is because they like had this perceived thing that they couldn't assimilate into American society. So for an assimilated like Chinese family mm-hmm. to be denied this it was like a double whammy it was like what like you really just don't like chinese it's oh, not the yeah. fact that we're un-american it's the fact that you don't like specifically chinese people yeah yeah okay yeah um yeah it's it's a weird well you'll see it pop up in this too yeah it's yeah and we'll talk about it in mine too it's a weird it's, it's a hypocrisy it's, it's people giving a reason to it's people trying to validate racism is what it is yeah and it doesn't make sense because you shouldn't be trying to validate racism there is no way to validate exactly if you're a decent human being yeah but um so her dad her her, both of her parents were immigrants to the u.s but her dad worked his way up because mining jobs were really hard to find so he worked his way around he um sorry i'm gonna get hiccups now because i coughed earlier um (laughs) But okay, weird driving. stuff always happens with my throat when I'm recording. <laughs> I'm like, and this doesn't happen when I'm talking normally. Why is this happening now? Yeah, it's fine. There we go again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, her dad met her mother um, after working his way up from lower jobs, like like more common, hard, scruffy jobs, physical labor, to driving a milk cart, which is still pretty physical labor based. But yeah. um, it's a little more kind of what would have been considered respectable at the time. Mm-hmm. And her mother immigrated, I think she was probably like a young teenager. And there's some disputed stuff about what happened when she got here, whether or not it was of her own will, mm. really, totally. Um, but she mm-hmm. was raised in a shelter for young women. And there is a very, very dark history of um, forced immigration for Japanese and Chinese Absolutely women in this time there is. There's oh, my God. Really yeah, don't worry. I It comes up in mine, too. And I've already put it down for an episode later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go to explicit details because I, I it don't want to like, talk episode. about trigger it's, warnings or yeah, anything like that. But women were it's brought rough. to the U.S. for a specific purpose that is disgusting yeah. and it was basically trafficking. Um, oh, absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was, it was sex trafficking before yeah. we knew what sex trafficking was. Yeah. Yeah. Before we had that name for it. And mm-hmm. she was very young. So I think there's some debate about if she, as a young teenager, like very young, probably like 12 or 13 was forced yeah. into something kind yeah. of like this. Um, but that's off kind of, yeah, that's, that's either way it's for another episode, but it's, yeah. that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Um, but she was raised in a shelter for young destitute women, and she took on the name Mary because I think that's was the name either of the shelter or the woman who helped mm-hmm. raise her. 
Um, but she was raised in a shelter with other women with mm-hmm. Eurocentric standards. Oh, okay. So she was quite literally raised with a different yeah, to kind be, of cultural... to be a cultural American. And to change yeah. that kind of concept when you're in your teens must be really mm-hmm. difficult, too. To, like, yeah. have your foundational growth years in one culture and then have yeah, to switch. there's a lot of, like, identity issues there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but together they became business people. Um, Middle-class America, by all means. Um, they had multiple children, of which Mamie's the oldest. She's born in 1876. So, of course, this eurocentric family wants to send their chinese american daughter to school with her friends her colleagues from their neighborhood you Mm -hmm. know like why why wouldn't you and i think that's part of what also helped them kind of push this further was like like you said there is no excuse the normal excuse of they can't assimilate doesn't obviously doesn't apply here yeah like Mm -hmm. yeah um so when Mamie gets rejected. They go and get help from the Chinese consulate, actually, and they lodge an official complaint with the school board. And I should note that uh, some people on the school board disagreed with what was going on, and Mm -hmm. they were like, just let her go to the school. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But the school board officially decides that they can exclude anyone they want. So the tapes find a lawyer named William Gibson, and they decided to lodge a full lawsuit. Mm -hmm. His argument is that it does indeed violate the California school law from 1880, but more importantly, it violates the 14th Amendment. Yep. Oh my God. Talking I'm about sure 14th talk Amendment about too. Yep. Um, wow. Which, how did we stumble into this? Kat and I did not discuss we, topics before we this. We didn't. But I think it goes pretty well. I think it's yeah. probably one of the things like I would, I'm definitely going to like through this research for this, I found a lot of really cool AAPI stories that I'm yeah. going to cover. But I think this is a glaring issue that doesn't get discussed in America as much, mm-hmm. like this time period and the and the just general <laughs> anti-Chinese sentiment. So oh, I think we probably both landed on that because yeah. we were both like, oh my gosh, we, we need, need to talk, to talk about, about this. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jinx. Jinx in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so I'll let Kaylee do the descriptions, but basically the 14th amendment guarantees mm-hmm. citizenship and equal rights to anyone born or naturalized in the United States. Yep. Um, so you, you can describe more of that later. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so with this in mind, he's got state, state laws on their side and he's got the 14th amendment on their side. So tape versus Hurley goes to the superior court and then the California state Supreme court. And both of them agree that, Mamie had the right to go to school in a California public school system. Wow. California is not an easy word to say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Texas is, I guess. Um, The school system... I guess it depends on where you're born. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The school system really should have just let it drop after she had... After, like, both the rulings were in the tape's favor. But they just kept appealing it to higher and higher courts, thinking, like, other people are going to be as racist as we are, you know? The Superior Court, even the first one they took it to, like, the first big court they took it to, even pointed out that legally, the Tape family pays taxes in this area. They should have access to the schools where their fund, the funding is going. Mm -hmm. So, the public, the school board's actually doing itself more harm as it's pushing this further and further up the chain. Um, But I could guess you, you... that also makes me think of the whole like taxation without representation. representation. Like yeah. if you're paying it, it's something you get to say mm-hmm. for it. If you're not paying into it, you don't get a say in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course people are awful. 
And the San Francisco school board, after losing these cases, real fast, out of, you know, just because. Mm -hmm. Nothing related to this. But all of a sudden, they pass a new state law that they will start up those schools again for Chinese and Mongolian descent. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they're not even... They're not even trying to hide blatant racism at no. this point. Like, the people who no. created this law, there's documented, like, yeah. paperwork from them that's blatantly racist. It's mm -hmm. not even trying to, like, hide behind assimilation theories and stuff. It's just racial segregation. Yep. So... This was a rough time period for America, and yeah. race relations-wise. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Yeah. I, we haven't gotten much uh oh, we've, okay. gotten we've gotten better. better since then that's fair we, we've but... gotten better i think it just takes new yes. forms and yes i agree the, the more it's a systemic issue i think the more it takes to make people realize that it is an issue mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah so a year later take us to 1885 these segregated the this chinese school isn't open yet and the tapes try to enroll maybe in the spring valley again and they come up with a bunch of BS excuses, basically, saying she doesn't have the proper authorization, the right certification, something about, like, there was a rule that basically said, like, your child has to be, like, cannot be ill-mannered, vicious, or infectious. So, like, mm. you could basically say they are ill-behaved, or they didn't have their vaccinations, or, like, that you could use yeah. any excuse yeah. you wanted. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. Her mother writes to a California newspaper calling these people out and basically saying, like, my daughter and my other children are no different than any other people in the U.S. And she even brings up that topic that people ignored for a long time. Like, she, it's along that lines of assimilation. Like, it's a really bad cover for racism. Mm -hmm. it just kind of like how there's a lot of biblical stuff that people tried to pass off as yeah. a justification for racism. But she makes the point in her letters to the, Galif the California representative or newspaper saying, like, didn't God make us all? So why are the white, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, she basically yeah. calls out a lot of these people who mm -hmm. are using the Bible as racial justification. Yeah. So it doesn't take too much longer for that Chinese school to open in Chinatown. You know, things get done really fast when the school board actually wants it to be done. And it's, it's that superintendent writing to a state representative that finally gets them funding because he just freaked out that you know a chinese girl could a chinese american girl could end up going to his yeah. white school so originally it was just for chinese americans but then they renamed it so that it's segregated and educates chinese korean and japanese students all together yep yeah so you know no one they're not it's weird like that concept of racism is weird to me because it's not even like separate everyone based on their race no. it's just as long as you're it's, not white yeah it's the other yeah 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 it's it's us or them mm -hmm. like everyone else is mm -hmm. the wrong one mm -hmm. which is so they just kind of decided to be large-scale racist instead of detailed racist i guess yeah. but mamie attends there but it wasn't long before the family moves elsewhere so that their children could be in these non-segregated schools and even after this case but ch yeah there are Chinese schools now, but Chinese-American students start attending more white schools in San Francisco, even though the segregation laws are technically still in place. But this yeah. law wasn't repealed until 1947, which yep. is less than 10 years before Brown versus the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had a paragraph on, like, why racism was so bad in California, With but I'll leave yeah. some of that to you. Yeah. Um, 
Well, what are the highlights? Because I'll probably talk about a lot okay. of them. Okay. Um, talked a little bit about, like, the gold rush, that concept yep. of, like, people stealing jobs yep. that we still see for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. I'm yep. assuming you talk about that. Okay. Well, that's my whole topic, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, then I won't need to describe that. Um, yeah. Economics a little bit. Job security. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit for a second. Tell me if you talk about any of the segregation in schools. Go for it. But, um, no, I didn't touch schools. So okay. you're good. Okay. So, of course, nothing is going to be easy about desegregating American schools. And even after Supreme Court ruling in the tape's favor, um, Plessy versus Ferguson happens, which... I feel like the, like Brown versus Borden, Plessy versus Ferguson are like yeah. the two that you had to learn in yes. a push. Yeah. Um, so Plessy versus Ferguson tries to convince people that there is a such thing as separate but equal. That yes. you can have mm-hmm. sectioned off groups and that they will receive the same treatment and opportunity in 1890s. Yeah. That's 1896, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the beginning of Jim Crow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting to me that you can... You can go from the Supreme Court ruling in favor of a mm-hmm. student, but not in, like, Plessy v. Ferguson. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because the kind of racial tension or if it's it where it is. came from. Yeah. But, um, and I think we do associate Plessy v. Ferguson with African-American rights mm-hmm. because it does start the Jim Crow laws yeah. kind of era. Yeah. And there were specific cases, though, that made segregation worse for Chinese-American public schools after this. Um. In 1902, Wong Him versus Callahan came along, and there was one called Gong Boom versus Rice. Also, they both also reinforced the school separation, but the Lim versus Rice case was a similar situation in Mississippi, like almost the yeah. T. And but keep in mind Mississippi. Yeah. Um, but the legal aspects weren't handled as well, and the case was lost for the Loom family. So like mm. the you see two sides of a coin gotcha. here. They um, didn't have, yeah, like a, as good of a lawyer or whatever. I think the lawyer like handed it off between the superior and the Supreme oh. courts or like they switched lawyers or something. And the new lawyer didn't like mm. bring up the fact of the 14th amendment or something oh. like that, which is a huge part of it. <laughs> That's a bad lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I, th- something weird happened. It was, I don't do well with court proceedings. So I no. tried to figure out what was going on, but apparently it just kind of got fumbled. Interesting. Um, the problem was instead of just not, helping fix segregation it actively made things worse in Mm. mississippi because the final decision basically let the state decide how they would a regulate public schooling and how they would regulate defining race Mm. so like yeah i didn't realize that was like a thing that happened in mississippi but apparently it was a really dangerous time for like because i mean who's to say what defines race yeah like and that's like okay it's a personal identity it's a cultural identity yeah definitions are so important in history Mm -hmm. and how definitions change and are created plays key roles and in ways you don't think and like this is one of them yeah yeah well what what scares me whenever i see someone like take uh, like at any point in history someone talks about like defining race mm-hmm. it's because of my background but i start thinking about like eugenics yeah which was a huge thing in america it was a huge thing pretty much everywhere mm-hmm. um that's not fair it was mostly a eurocentric thing yeah um but the final solution in the holocaust um 
there was there was a meeting, a famous meeting, that basically they tried to hash out how they would define Jewishness. And they mm-hmm. talked about, like, who would be part of the final solution, who would be targeted, how it would be yeah. taken care of. And they, they went down to saying, like, if you have a 16th, if you have an eighth of the blood, if you mm-hmm. have this, if it was your mother, your, like, and they take race down to this mm-hmm. percentages and this, like, quantifiable... Yeah. And that's terrifying because that's... Yeah. That's not... It, it's... We shouldn't be doing that to humans. Yeah. yeah. No, no, people aren't yeah. that simple. We aren't just no. numbers. Yeah. And, um, We're not your ancestry DNA results. You yeah. know, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's kind of what the Mississippi thing reminded me of. And mm. the Lum versus Rice case, like, it could have been a huge moment to further yeah. this anti-segregation movement. Mm-hmm. And just because it got fumbled, it didn't. And instead, it gives people the power... The, the majority, the mm-hmm. already powerful majority, the ability to define the minority. And yeah. that's not okay. Yep. <laughs> but, and, oh, and the man. Tate family did win theirs. So it was a yeah. victory over their, over the racism that was kind of facing them. And it did make a lot of changes for people who came after them, even that's though good. they couldn't necessarily yeah. benefit because they had to move too, just to yeah. escape that. Well, I think what you said about, you know, just the same exact thing or a very similar thing can happen at a certain time in history. But mm-hmm. if the conditions are not right for it or if people aren't ready for it, then mm-hmm. it won't grab a hold. Yeah. Um, that's really, that's, you see that a lot and you're like, why aren't people talking about this? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Interesting. Well, that was a great story. Kim. Thank I'm you. I'm glad they at least won their case. And I'm really sad for what I might be about to say, because it's going to make a lot of people feel really bad. We should have switched. I've been the optimistic one on the end for once. But How yeah. did we get into this? Tate versus Hurley. If you're a teacher, talk about it in your classroom. If yeah, you, that's if you really ever interesting. like bring it up with your family or you're yeah. talking about that stuff, Tate versus Hurley. Remember the name. Yeah, and I feel like especially the end of the 19th century, so like 17 or 1875 through like 1910, mm-hmm. people don't talk about stuff like that like racism yeah. in that time they mentioned jim crow and most of the emphasis is put on workers rights which is very important mm-hmm. and we get a lot of our workers rights today from that era so i'm not yeah. saying we shouldn't talk about it but that period in history is glossed over everything else is glossed over mm-hmm. and it's just about working rights yeah um which is really sad to see and but. i think it's that I think that also comes from that hopeful America wishes it could be thing yeah. of saying civil war ended, slaves were freed, ta-da, America was great, and now we yeah. can focus on the rights of well, and that's or, yeah, mm-hmm. and we can't because slavery yeah. didn't just end. Yeah. Well, okay, so now I'm going to talk about the Chinese Exclusion Act. Depress um, me, please. So, Make me feel more miserable. Yeah. So for this one, we have a bunch of historical historical context. Because this did not just happen. Um, So first, I'm kind of going to give a blow-by-blow of how Chinese immigration to America kind of went in the uh, 19th century. Okay. So before 1840, the census of 1840, so the first 40 years of the 19th century, the American population was 17 million in the census. And there were exactly four people. That were Chinese American. Wait. In America. What? Four. In Four. 1840. At least on the census. It probably was more, 
But who did the census was four people. Four Chinese what? Americans. Yeah. In that's, 1840. That's an... Isn't that... It doesn't even like... small number. It doesn't even make sense. Uncomprehensible. <laughs> incomprehensible number. I know. Like, um, yeah. So that's kind of what we're looking at as we enter this story. So a little bit of background even before that. China had for centuries been something that the West wanted access to, but was very inaccessible. We know that Japan famously was shut to the rest mm-hmm. of the world, um, but so was China. I mean, not as kind of definitively as um, Japan was, but there was only one uh, city that was allowed to trade with Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Canton. And um, yeah, and the thing is that like, what's so funny and what made trade so limited with china is that china didn't want any of the european stuff <laughs> they're like we have everything we need we don't want your weird stuff I mean, they like, were they were pretty far ahead on a lot of yeah innovation and technology yeah they had so technology like, why, yeah why would they start to they're depend not, on mm-hmm. they had countries? boats they had anything like europe didn't have anything to offer china china however china had, came up with paper or the printing press yeah. everything that <laughs> yeah. like europe yeah. likes to take credit for i know and they're like it. and they're like merchants are showing up they're like we have this cool thing new thing called the printing press and they're like oh you mean that that thing, <laughs> like, that thing that oh that thing and that has like dust yeah, in the corner like, yeah <laughs> we stopped using it because we advanced on <laughs> yeah um so china like they just weren't interested like like famously like they we're like, we don't want this weird European stuff. We have all of our own stuff. And they're like, there's no advances in Europe that can offer anything to China, basically. But that's that's Europe has a problem. Energy. I know, right? <laughs> Europe has a problem, right? They want Chinese stuff so yes. bad. Specifically Britain. And because Britain is having a really problem with China because it's kind of ruining their I'm ruler of the world party mm. because they want, you know, to have yeah. like fingers in everything. Is this when that, like, fetishization of Chinese culture is kind of starting out? Oh, absolutely. Is, is this yeah, well, time? any... Absolutely. I wasn't sure if China's yeah. not trading with them. I wasn't yes. sure how much they could get so their it's, hands on. Yeah, so it, it definitely adds to the, like... If you don't know, the way that Asian countries specifically have been treated throughout history is a historical term known as Orientalism, which, by the way, I finally bought that book. So I'm very excited. I want to read it when you're yeah, done. Yeah, there's a book called Orientalism by a man named, um, I think his name is Edward Said. And it kind of talks about Orientalism and how the West and their perceptions of Asian countries and Middle Eastern countries has mm-hmm. like really kind of damaged because it basically yeah. caricaturizes them mm-hmm. and exploits the exotic and not like the fact that they're just human. Which, fun fact, I went back to watch all the old Disney movies the other day. Yeah. And Aladdin has a disclaimer in front of it now. And I was really yeah. impressed with the, the, the yeah. not impressed, like it's a basic decency yeah. to do that now. But like, I was happy to see that they had added that disclaimer saying like the themes in this movie are outdated. Yeah. We want yeah. you to know that this is not our current. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that because I didn't really understand that whole like fetishization of other cultures mm-hmm. until someone sat us down in that sophomore year class in that mm-hmm. large lecture and was like, oh yeah. And that whole like harem concept. Like, yeah. Harems. Like, like what the whole harem pants. Yeah. <laughs> he explained it with harem pants. Yeah. And I was like, 
Oh. One, okay, the example that really made me realize this is belly dancers. Yes. And the same professor. Yeah. So belly dancers, we now believe, are part of Middle Eastern culture. But when you think about Middle Eastern culture now and historically, you don't really see where belly dancers come from because they're a very conservative, like, women are covered culture. So, like, they're like, why is this the way you're and then all of a sudden to like sexualize yeah. it so for some reason this rumor got started that there were these things called belly dancers in middle east and so that european travelers would come to the middle east and be like oh so i have i heard y'all have stuff you know these belly dancers and the people from the middle east were like what the hell no we don't <laughs> and then the europeans sold them a 20 and they were like oh actually there's some in the back <laughs> <laughs> And so this whole, like, thing that we think is, like, significant to a whole culture was our was, was a response to... Was it literally made up by Europeans. Yeah. So it's just, it's very interesting. Okay. It just, um, I've seen that in decorations, too, in the yeah. Victorian era. Uh-huh. Like, the use of bamboo and furniture and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Sorry. Yeah. The I Victorians... No, 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 no. So no. Ooh, that's... Ooh. Y'all, I wanted to go to get my doctorate for talking about Orientalism. So I'm... I love this shit. But anyway, well, I don't love it. I just but, love how weird the Victorians are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They yeah. really botched a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we have this, so Britain really is having a hard time. And they're having a really, really hard time because there's one thing Britons love more than anything else in the whole world. It's tea. I was going to say tea. <laughs> <laughs> and they are willing to like literally go to war over tea. And they do. They do. Multiple um, times, actually. Yeah, at least twice. <laughs> so the problem is, is that Britain is buying Chinese tea with... Okay, there's one thing that the Chinese do like, eventually. They figure it out, finally. In the New World, there's silver. So mm-hmm. there's silver mines in South America that Britain obviously has access to because they're colonialism. Colonialism. Um, <laughs> and China is actually interested in this New World silver. So they're like, okay, we'll trade with you for this New World silver. And so Britain dumps all of their New World silver into buying tea from China. And then they realize, crap, we can't keep giving them all of our silver. <laughs> what else can we trade with China? And then they realize uh, there's one other thing uh, that Chinese merchants are willing to trade for. And this is opium. So Britain literally gets an entire country addicted to opium. Well, not an entire country. Millions of people in a country addicted to opium where drugs weren't that big of a problem in China before this. So they stumble across the fact that they really like opium. And if you don't know, opium is actually a drug from like poppies, the poppy plant. Mm. Um, And they (laughs) soon became the world's biggest drug supplier. And um, China obviously illegalized this pretty soon after it was introduced. But it wasn't illegal at first, right? No, yeah, because it wasn't a big deal. And then, you know, and then people started getting addicted. And so the government of China was like, okay, it's legal now. But Britain kept trading. And I think this is the East India Trading Company. That sounds is, correct. Yeah, I'm is, not sure, but that sounds right. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to Google it while you Yeah, talk. I don't think it's called the East India Trading Company. But if you know East India Trading Company from Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> this is modeled after. Like, no, I'm not even kidding. No, you're right. The poppies the were, the poppies were grown in India, yeah. which was a British colony. And they were traded with the East. So with China. Um, 
I can't remember. I can't say that for sure, for sure. But I'm pretty I'm sure it it's inspired. The East India Trading Company in Pirates of the Caribbean is supposed to be this uh, British relationship, this trading relationship between England and China, specifically well, about opium. Because the East India Trading Company did exist. So yes. I just don't know if they yeah. were the ones in charge of the opium wars. Yeah. Um, so millions of people became addicted to opium in China and Britain's continued disregard for trade limitations on opium caused the two countries to become embroiled in the first opium war in 1839. So Britain said, no, we still need tea. Um, so we're going to still deal drugs to your citizens and, um, we will go to war about it (laughs) because we really need our tea. And that is the first opium war. That's in a nutshell, that's how it happened. So England would win the first opium war, and this would eventually win, or lead to another opium war that ended similarly. Um, but this victory came with something that England specifically had sought for centuries, an ec- economic and political hold in China. So finally, finally, Britain had... Is it really? The British... This is according to Britannica, which we like. Um, the British East <laughs> India Company established a monopoly on opium cultivation in the Indian province yep. of Bengal. Where <laughs> they developed a method of growing opium blah, 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 cheaply and abundantly. Poppies. Yep. 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 So it's the East India. I think they call it. Uh, historians call it the East India Company. Yeah. In parts of the Caribbean, they call it the East India Trading Company. Oh, hold on. This one does say the East India Company did not carry, it's still Britannica, did not carry the opium itself mm. because of the Chinese ban, but they farmed it out to yep. um, country traders, like yeah. the traders who were licensed from yep. them to take the goods. So yes, essentially. So yes, they were in charge of it. Nice so job, the East hey. India Trading Company is the world's biggest drug dealer, which Oops. is just so funny because it's like literally a government organization. Cutler Beckett. Um, well, I mean, if you want to believe that Reagan put crack in <laughs> <laughs> then he also was a huge but, popular i mean he kind of did he did but he watched 13th people oh yeah for sure go watch 13th. he definitely did yeah i believe it anyway <laughs> so so this was again and, and when we talk about i don't you know people this is like you're very much like world history class is push and pull factors for mm-hmm. immigration And basically what's pushing immigrants out of a country and what's pulling them towards a specific country. Mm -hmm. So the first opium war, which again started in 1839. So right at that 1840 kind of threshold when we start to see immigrants, uh, Chinese immigrants in America change. um, This is a big push factor. So China has kind of lost its position. It's lost some of its power. Um, The war obviously really destroys the country and there's a lot of like issues there after the war and everything. So this is pushing people out of China. Where do they go? Good news is that a few years after the first opium war, we have the California gold rush. So the California gold rush began in uh, January of 1848. And this dude became a global phenomenon and drew and was a huge draw for not only Americans, but people from around the world, which basically meant the people who had most access to America at this time, obviously Africa's out of the picture because it's 1848 and we still have slavery. So no one's coming from Africa. Um, And even though California is a free free state, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's no one's coming from Africa. Um, So we have the people who are coming to California at the time are yes, Americans from the East and they make up the vast majority of the people coming to America. And in fact, I think, um, 
at the end of the gold rush, around 20,000 Chinese immigrants come to America with around 300,000 coming from Eastern United States. So really we're talking about a fraction of the, of the the population that's coming, but people still blow it way out of proportion. So, and people are coming from China because California is just a boat ride. You know, it's, it's the closest state which the way that i always studied maps like i know that maps aren't drawn the same for every yeah. country like some countries literally flip the map from where americans learn it but like yeah. for some reason being taught only with the americanized version of the map always made me feel like china was way further away and then i forgot you can just go left instead of going right yeah and be there <laughs> like, yeah well we always think about it as oh the far east yeah no but you go far right enough east us. it's just west like yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So, the first time someone was like, yeah, when we were talking in that class about uh-huh. the trafficking that came from yeah. those countries, I was like, how did they get them all the way? Like, <laughs> you're 20 years old. Get your no. shit together. But it's true. And we have, like, again, we are taught that China is the Far East, but it's not. It's not. Like, it's, it's, it's not. Like, they're right there. <laughs> and again, it's all rude. And this is, like, idea that Asians are different and they're you know well that and literally a eurocentric map yeah like yeah the maps american mm-hmm. american public schools use yeah literally because just puts a smack you know, in the middle well no not even that because that would be different but when you think about it, how a traditional map is you have america in the west according mm-hmm. to the company compass and china in asia in the east according to the compass but it, it's flat so you don't picture it like folding, folding around out. in a circle yeah. so you don't have this like idea you're like wow that's all the way over there well, i didn't realize that some countries use map that literally cut yeah they like, do they cut us down the middle which yeah. makes uh-huh. sense to them which yeah. i guess I, I mean it does for them if yeah if it's your country you mm-hmm. view yourself as the center but like yeah 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 so it, it was natural for chinese people to come to a California, it's the freaking gold rush. Everyone's coming yeah. to California. And, you know, people are looking for opportunities. And America is supposed to be this land of opportunity. And especially was during the gold rush time. Or at mm-hmm. least it was supposed to be. Um, and it was for white people. But... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, because of the California gold rush, this is truly the first time that Americans had to face immigrants from other cultures. Because they mm-hmm. always had yeah. this, oh, America is, you know, an open door thing. But... Uh, those immigrants kill, like, were a few from people. Yeah, yeah. Well, first we have to decimate you know, the indigenous Yeah, we population. have to commit genocide. But then it's an open door. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course, up until now, the door has really only been open for Europeans. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time that they're seeing like a pretty and you know the uh, Mexican and uh, population and, and indigenous population. They're like, yeah, they're they're foreigners, quote unquote. But mm-hmm. they're we know these guys. Like they're not immigrants. The, the land is attached, yeah. kind of. And I think exactly. that plays a role in it. Yeah, too. and it definitely does. It's not the other. And Chinese people were definitely the other at this point in time. So um, this kind of really added why so much of these like relations were so focused on Chinese people because they were the first people that were different than like white Europeans yeah. that were coming in. Um, so by the end of 1852, uh, there was only around 25,000 Chinese immigrants that had come to California. These were mainly just men, uh, overwhelmingly just men and they were laborers and, uh, they were, um, the majority of them were fleeing the impoverished countryside of Southern China specifically, which again, uh, was ravaged by the war that mm-hmm. just happened. So, like I said, Chinese people Chinese people were the main group of people to, to come into the country during the gold rush. So they became the focus of all anti-foreign sentiment at the time. 
this was more than just like your regular like run-of-the-mill racism and <laughs> because miners had this idea that the gold in california was theirs even though they could have you know yeah their whole family could have been from new york yeah a, like complete opposite side of the country they're like no no no, that's mine, that's mine. even though they were probably traveling just as long as chinese yeah. people were to get there and like immigrants at the time like before the end of the 18th century or 19th century immigration was just like literally an open door borders were completely opened they had ellis island but that was just a processing center i think Mm -hmm. only like one percent of people were turned away from ellis island and i'm sure it was like for like sickness or disease or something like that so like you were doing your research did you come across the topic of angel island yeah okay i'm gonna talk about angel island yeah um that's not until later but yeah showed up in mine Uh i was like oh yeah cool um so like (laughs) there was no regulation on any sort of immigration anything and it was really just an open door but um for some reason americans still were like no you don't you're you're not an american you can't have this gold even though you know like i said they're coming from the exact same distance apart more than likely so and again as this was really kind of multiplied by the fact that Surface gold, so like surface gold is gold that just shows up in rivers that you don't have to dig for, became sca- began to get scarce, which is of course because if everyone's like looking for all the gold yeah. in the rivers, then obviously. So this led to big mining companies taking over, which exploited the white working class more. Um, but they, of course, the white working class people were mad at someone, so they were mad at the Chinese immigrants because these were apparently taking their jobs and, uh, just like we have today. So that whole, this yeah. is kind of where this starts. The idea of immigrants taking jobs is starting right here with the gold rush. Um, and it's still a thing that some people believe today, whereas really it's not the immigrants taking the jobs. It's the companies not wanting to pay people the wage a that wage they're worth. That work it. Yeah. yeah. And um, immigrant populations being more willing than mm-hmm. American populations to take lower page, lower paid work. Mm-hmm. Um so that was the 1840s. In the 1850s, uh, there is these this idea that begins to circulate that labels the Chinese populations as something called a coolie. I'm not sure where this word comes from because it doesn't really like make sense. I heard something in mind about Abraham Lincoln being involved or something, or maybe oh, that's late. <sighs> maybe I'm mixing up my timeline. He is involved a little bit. He is involved a little bit. I remember typing Lincoln, so we'll get there when we get okay. there. But <laughs> maybe I'm mixing up my timeline because yeah, the, no, the no, no, he is up earlier. Yeah, than... and so like this coolie is basically the idea that is not true with the Chinese population that people basically thought Chinese people were being brought over as serfs, so indentured servants mm-hmm. or slaves. Which is not the case. Most Chinese people immigrated on their own. Most Chinese men, I should say. Yeah. Most Chinese men indig- are, are immigrated on their own and usually took out a loan with someone back home and paid to them or mm-hmm. they got the money together or something. There was no indentured servitude as we the same way we see with like Irish American Irish immigrants. Okay. Um that oh. wasn't a thing. But they kind of began to be like, oh, for some reason, I don't, I don't really know why this was a problem. I guess because it made it seem like companies were kind of reaching out to, like, get this contracted workforce. Oh, okay. But they really didn't like the idea that this was, like, contracted work. 
and like indentured servitude. I don't know why. Maybe they and they it as use a threat. Yeah, I guess it's so. Easier to use them for work than hire yeah. you and pay you. Yeah, exactly. And I guess people thought that like companies were just going out into China and like recruiting people and like getting them to be indentured servitudes and like come over, but that wasn't really the case. But isn't that what was happening in America with the railroad at the time period? So maybe people saw that happening in their own country. Okay, so I'll get to the railroad, okay. but it wasn't indentured servitude. That's but, well, like not indentured servitude, yeah. but that idea like yes. come and do your hard work and we'll pay you and like, yes, yeah. That is later, but okay. yes, the railroad companies do go into China and recruit people from there, but it's not endangered servitude. Okay. And it's 20 years after this. So okay. for whatever reason... So they, they got this early Yeah, early like they're on. just coming up with crap, and it's just a reason to like not like Chinese laborers, basically. They're like grasping for straws because this is completely unfounded. Um, so it also apparently was a thing that like they thought they were slaves and they California was a free state state, which was like a very hard fought battle to keep California free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't want slavery to be within California. And so they came up with the idea that we have to keep Chinese people out because they're slaves and we can't have slaves. Huh. And it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> All worried about the wrong kind of slavery here, guys. I know. So this kind of growing idea basically gave people permission to specifically target and outcast Chinese people. And this is why, because Chinatowns were like a thing before this, but we really see the growth of Chinatowns in this moment because Chinese people began living with each other because there's strength in numbers. And if you're being outcast by the rest of the city mm-hmm. and the only people who are hire you or let you rent a room from then are in a specific area. It's understandable to want to be around the culture that makes you yeah. feel at home and comfortable. Yeah, safety in numbers. It makes complete sense. So that's 1850. In May of 1855, or 53, the state of California imposes a tax on Chinese miners specifically, which charged them $3 per month per, for permission to mine in, in California. So um, that's a, that's $3 per month in 1853 is around $100 per month in modern yeah. money. And that's just to be able to work. And mind you, they're getting paid like pennies on the dollar yeah. of what like the white miner would be paid. So very, yeah. Basically, this was done by the governor of California at the time who wanted to do everything he could to make California not appealing to Chinese people. So, and he wasn't allowed to specifically limit immigration from China to California, but he did everything in his power to make it as unappealing as uh, as possible. So in the 1860s, in 1861, when the Civil War starts, there's about 35,000 Chinese Americans in the country. So we're, there's... Numbers are going up. (laughs) Numbers are going up, but keep in mind, population in America is like over 20 million at this point. So 35,000 yeah, out of no. 20 million is not a big it's deal. <laughs> so at the start of the Civil War, America began to seek out China as an ally um, and specifically a trade ally. They really, really wanted to trade with uh, China. I don't know why this happened all of a sudden in the Civil War, but it did. And this caused both the influx of Chinese goods and people to the American country. So in 1862, Lincoln approved the passage of the Pacific Railway Act, a project that would finally unite the United States by railway. Uh, and this is the infamous transcontinental airway, mm-hmm. the railway. So we have the Atlantic Railroad Company and the Pacific Railroad Company. They're called different things. They're not called that thing. But we have a company working from the Atlantic Ocean into mm-hmm. Central America. And we have a company working from the Pacific o- Ocean into the C- Central America. So... <laughs> The, the company who's working from the Pacific, so the West Coast, into Central America, 
it's like, okay, we have this job to do now. We need people to work it. So they kind of looked to their counterpart in the East who had already been constructing this railroad. And they see that their the counterpart in the East was employing Irish immigrants who were a big part of this story as well, um, of building the railroad story. So they looked over it at California and they're like, well, do we have an, what population of people can we use? Mm-hmm. So they see a pretty good sized population of Chinese workers who don't have anything to do right now because the gold rush is over because people lost their minds about it and absolutely decimated all of the gold in California. So they were like, well, okay, we'll reach out to this group. And it wasn't like a bad thing. They just, you know, it's the same. It wasn't maliciously done. It was like, okay, this can be our workforce because they needed people who would be willing to like move. And it's easier to do that with like one population of people. Mm -hmm. If you convince like, Hey, women in this group, would y'all be all willing to get together and go here? And you'd be more than likely to do it because you're like, okay, I know ladies. It's like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's like, well, if you know, my friends are going to go move with the railroad, I might as well well. too. So the Chinese people, um, Chinese uh, Americans soon began to be the basically number one uh, group in the construction of the railroad from the Pacific to the Atlantic. So there's no tax on this one like there was for mine. No, no. And uh, so like like I said earlier, railroad companies would go or the railroad company would go into China, recruit people to come work on the railroad. So this did make... um, more people immigrate to America. So this doubled the population of Chinese immigrants by the 1870s. So we're sitting at about 63,000 Chinese immigrants, um, Chinese American immigrants. So not, it's still, uh, we're growing. It's, there's more Chinese people here now, but it's still a fraction of a fraction. I'm trying to think about like the percentages because like there's a full chance that a European person never came across a Chinese person. Yeah. And that to me is like, so weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in 1868, the Berlin Game Treaty-, Treaty was signed, which allowed free trade and free immigration between America and China. So they're really trying to work on their relations with China. They're like, we want to trade with you. We need your people to come work with us. Like, our people can go to China. We'll have this thing where we can trade whatever we want. And we can, and our people can go back and forth between the two countries as much as they want to. And you're like, okay, great. Awesome. That sounds like a great deal. <laughs> um, the problem is there's still the growing exclusionist sentiment in the, in the West. And once the railroad is finished in 1869, these Chinese American laborers had to go somewhere. And most of them went back to California, what they knew, mm-hmm. which caused all of those people to come back to California, which made this like huge wave of Chinese people in California. Again, it's only like 60,000 people, but it's like nothing. It's, it's like, not that much. It's like not that much. But to have a, but, I'm sure a concentrated population made yeah. people freak out. And well, for minds. people who have like never, like you said, never seen someone from China, mm-hmm. it's like a huge deal. They're like, like, oh my oh God, my they're gosh. taking over. Then No, they're not. Like, no, they're just They're just coming to, home. Like, to... Yeah. So... <laughs> And unfortunately, as good as many positive things as the railroad did for the time, it does make the issue, quote unquote, issue that the West is having with Chinese laborers a national issue. So this, Mm -hmm. the train made it possible for 
Chinese goods to be brought into the East, but it also brought Chinese people with it. And so now Mm. this problem that had been mostly concentrated to California is becoming a more and more national problem. And this kind of eventually leads to why we have legislation about it. So, um, (laughs) so this is where I talk about the 14th Amendment. And just to kind of preface what happens next, remember that the 14th Amendment has been passed following the Civil War. Um, and this did apply to everyone born in America, that you're uh, anyone born in America, naturalized America is guaranteed to all the rights of American citizen, blah, blah, blah. Which is interesting because women still can't vote. Oh, absolutely. No, they cannot. Then, well, this is not the vote amendment, remember? I know, but you think that was not a guaranteed right would include yeah. voting, especially yeah. because um, black women and especially Asian women mm-hmm. couldn't vote till way after white women. So oh, they could not. Yep. So. I okay. <laughs> I got a lot of these notes. It was funny because a lot of I like looked at articles and I looked at podcasts and they were like kind of short on this. Like the podcasts were like 20 minutes about the Chinese Exclusion Act. And I was like, there has to be something more. So I was like digging and I found this PBS documentary, which is free. It's two hours long. I love PBS. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was a great documentary. I learned, I learned so a lot. Much. My childhood was based around yeah, PBS. Yeah. So like, I'm so glad I found that resources because it made this so much more in depth, but I wanted to share this quote from this PBS documentary. <laughs> and I think it's it just, it just such a good job with summarizing the absolute rampant racism that happened I'm in ready. 1880, 1890 and 1900 Hit me with the stupidity. in those decades. So this is the quote from the PBS documentary. This is what the narrator says. And the decades to come, the spare 80 word text would form the last slender line of defense for the Chinese in America as the country began a long and slow descent into an abyss of hatred and violence directed against all people of color. Isn't that a raw-ass line? Um, They went for it. (laughs) They really went. Dude, do it. I was like, oh my god, this is PBS. (laughs) (laughs) PBS doesn't hold back. I I mean, it's accurate because like we said before, this is such a time period and it just gets overlooked. We're like, oh yeah, Jim Crow happened. But no, so much more happened yeah. than Jim Crow. We have the Chinese Exclusion Act. We have Jim Crow, obviously. We have the rise, the rebirth of the KKK literally happens in oh, yeah. 1914. Like this is a dark time for yeah. America and especially relating to racist issues in America. And other immigrants are about to get hit real hard as yeah. well. Yeah, So... <laughs> So this is the, we're in the 1870s now. So working class white Americans from across the country began to fear the spread of the Chinese American workers. So this is a classic yellow peril that they're going to come mm. and take our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, which I did find interesting, labor unions had a lot to say about the Chinese immigrant workforce hmm. um, and how we needed to not let them be employed, which again, it's not their problem. It's the company. Whatever. (laughs) And you would think the union who knows that companies are fucked up, they would be like, oh, you think they would be able to see that. But it's monopolies. It's the golden age. Why are you? Well, not the golden age yet, really. Yeah. So, so uh, this is my next bullet. Blame is placed on on the workers. So the Chinese workers and not the companies for actually uh, just exploiting this group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, this is only made worse when plantation owners in the South announced plans to bring Chinese immigrants to the South. Um, so basically, as you can imagine, following the Civil War, plantation owners are we're like, crap, we need a workforce. Um, and so they're like, well, what about these 
you know, group of Chinese immigrants. I heard they're good workers. They built the railroad. That's great. We'll bring them over and exploit them here in the South. Really? <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. I, I did not no know that. Yeah. That... Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah. So this really pissed off the white working class um, because for some reason, even though they would, did not want to work at plantations, they say, refused to let Chinese white, people. Who in the white working class was going to go work at plantations? I, I know. They were like, no, they're taking our jobs. I'm like, you weren't going to do that job. No. You were going to let tenant farmers do it <laughs> and pretend yeah. that racism ended. Exactly. So this basically, it didn't end up happening. Maybe it did a little bit, but because of the outcry, it like didn't end up happening. Uh... <laughs> And again, this is similar to today. We see this, these same themes. And this is where this idea is coming from, that immigrants are stealing our, our jobs. Like, this is where we find that historical And it's root. lasted over 100 years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, <laughs> so this is really interesting. <laughs> I, I, like, this is going to be hard to explain. Because this PBS, PBS documentary, like, basically blew my mind with this. So non-Chinese working class people, so white working class people, began to blame evil capitalists for exploiting the Chinese population. But instead of demanding they stop exploiting the people, their solution was to get Chinese immigrants to to leave the country or to leave the workforce. Like that's going to fix the issues with capitalism. I know. So they, they, this is more, so when we have these conversations today, people fail to realize that it's the company, it's the capitalist yeah. nature that is the root of the problem. They have identified capitalism as the root of the problem. They just decided to push There's, it off on the workers. Yeah. Their that's, solution... Well, that's a tangible thing. It's yeah. easier to handle getting yeah. people out of a country than dealing with a corporation. Yeah, exactly. So it's just so interesting how they've got the right concept. Their solution is just way off. Way off. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, when I heard that, I was like, this is weird. Someone got the assignment, understood the assignment, and then flunked the assignment. I know. They, like, went to all the study sessions and then and failed then the test. The like, <laughs> I just, like, I was just like, you're so close. You're so close. Like, anyway. So, I just thought that was, like, whoa, that crazy. That is really interesting. Yeah, and we see that over and over again, these labor unions being like, ah, oh, these evil corporations. But instead of holding the corporations accountable, they just tell the Chinese people to leave. Like, what are you talking about? And then they're like openly racist towards Chinese people. It's like, stop it. This is not, you should be mad at corporations. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> and corporations don't help by spinning that narrative themselves. Exactly. And, like, and, and the press, and scab workers yeah, and the press began to blow this way out of proportion. And so, yeah, so they paint Chinese immigrants as scabs, as Mm -hmm. people who cross picket lines. They're like, they're stealing your jobs when you're trying to work for your rights, blah, blah, blah. But again, they're just being exploited. And like, it's just so funny because then all of a sudden we have all these like stereotypes develop, such as like Chinese men being less manly and then like American men and because they're less manly, they need to eat less so they can be, what? they can be like paid, paid less. And so they can have less food. Like American men need good red meat, but Chinese men can live off of rice because they're not as manly. And so that's why they can be afford They can afford to be paid less. Like the it's just like people go, what are you talking about? Also the value placed on masculinity has <laughs> never helped anyone guys. Let's, let's be real just, here. Let's start looking at this. I know. And it's just, and it, and of course like you begin to get like a rampant, like blatant stereotypes and racism and caricatures of Chinese workers because it's, it's the other and they're, and again, this is 1870. So like these people were not nice to other people. Mm. 
So <laughs> tensions continue to rise and we see a wave of um, race riots across the country, including a really bad one that happened in uh, specifically to the Chinatown of LA where 18 people died, including women and children. And men, women, and children were all lynched. Oh, um, God. And they burnt Chinatown down. So really, really rough. That's one of the, the worst race riots to happen in the 1870s. There's more later. <laughs> of course there are. Yeah. So cities began to pass ordinances that basically encouraged people to harass Chinese populations, thinking that it would make if they made life hard enough, they would just leave. Um, these ordinances took the forms of ridiculous laws that targeted specific Chinese cultural practices. One example of this is a law that was passed that prohibited people from carrying on a sidewalk with a pole on their, sh- or walking on a sidewalk with a pole on their shoulder. Oh, come so, on. So like, yeah. So the typical like pole with the two, two like buckets. two yeah. buckets. Yeah. They, if you carried a pole on your shoulder, that it was illegal. Which is funny to me because, like, carrying a yoke on your shoulders? Yeah. Women, like, that's a European thing, yeah, too. Yeah, I know. A, a, uh-huh. a Slavic thing, isn't uh-huh. it, as well? Yeah. and Same same song, different verse. Same. <laughs> but, of course, you know, it was, they were trying to make his life, life as difficult as possible for Chinese people so that oh, they would just leave. So, towards the end of the 1870s, the conservative political party at the time, which was the Democrats, um, again, American politics and the transitions that happened throughout time. Switched during yes. Lyndon B. Johnson? Lyndon, LBJ, yeah. So in the 60s, they switched officially to what we recognize as modern political parties. But um, we kind of see uh, the politics. There was a lot. If, if you want to go watch the PBS documentary, it's free. Um, there's a lot about the What's politics. I think I don't have it written down. But if you Google Chinese Exclusion Act, it's one of the links on the bottom of the page. You mind if I look it up? Yeah, it's just, um, it's the PBS link that comes up on Google. So they, in, in, anyway, the, the Democratic Party at the time began to see that fi- fighting this quote unquote problem with Chinese labor was an easy way to garner support from the white working class in America. So they began to see it as a political thing. They're like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll say we don't like Chinese people, so we'll get more votes. Um, in 1875, the Page Act is passed, and uh, this is a law against the sole. So, this is a law that prohibits single Asian women, specifically Japanese and Chinese, uh, from immigrating to America. So, a woman could not immigrate on her own to America. She had to be with a family, with a husband, whatever. This is because um, there was this perception at the time that women were apparently more likely to become prostitutes or sex workers. Um, something, and I don't even want to call them sex workers because sex workers definitely gives a degree of autonomy and you're personally choosing yeah. to do this. These women were not choosing to do this on yeah. the whole. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's a whole history here and I will have to save this for another, another episode, but it's such an interesting topic and I think it's really one that needs to be talked about. Um, also, yeah, I think it's just called the Chinese Exclusion Act. Yeah. So which, Chinese Exclusion Act I documentary. I just want to make sure because, yeah. like, I mean, it sounds yeah. so interesting. So no, it was, of information. it was pretty good. But, you know, like, PBS documentary. So, like, put it on double speed and it was, like, still, like, they were talking normally because they just talk so, like. That's fair. They're very paced. Unlike us who talk really fast on here and then don't care if anyone can actually understand what we're saying. Yeah. I'm talking really fast right now. So I do apologize. Anyway. So... This is a whole, there's a whole history here. This is something that definitely needs its own episode. I can't get into this now. But basically, this Page Act of 1975 is the precursor to the full-blown Chinese Exclusion Act seven years later. Uh, This 
if you think about it, is also basically ethnic cleansing. Because what happens when you remove women from a population? You can't have children. Exactly. So that was probably also a bonus and hidden in there with like, oh, we can't have immoral women. That's but like, no, we just actually want to like genocide. Exactly. <laughs> Ethnic cleansing people. So <laughs> in 1879, we have something called the 15 passenger bill. And basically for decades now, this idea that Chinese people were like, throwing themselves off the dock to come to America, that they were ready in swarms to come infect America, that they were just going to come. One day we're going to wake up and there's going to be 20,000 Chinese immigrants at our docks and they're just going to take us over. And this idea has been circulating for decades. And this you might get some decent tea. <laughs> right? Uncle Iroh shows up with some tea. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my God. <laughs> so in order to kind of playing off these fears and in order to limit Chinese immigration, they come up with something called the 15-passenger bill, which was introduced in 1879. This limits the number of Chinese immigrants on each boat that comes into California to 15 Chinese people. So only 15 Chinese people, immigrants, were allowed to come on each boat. It's a weird rule. I don't know. Whatever. But it's dumb. But remember, there's a treaty that America has that allows free immigration between America and China. So they're like... Crap, we can't pass this bill. But lovely President Rutherford B. Hayes is like, okay, we can't pass this bill, but I'm going to go send a party, a delegation party over to China and see if we can renegotiate this Mm. treaty. So they renegotiate this treaty and the resulting thing. Basically, that was the last barrier to imposing the Chinese Exclusion Act, which is imposed in 1882. So this is signed into law. And this specifically prohibited the immigration of Chinese laborers, skilled or unskilled. This was supposed to only last be a 10-year policy, but it got renewed in 1880. Uh, nine, nine, oh my God, sorry. 1892 and made a permanent law in 1902. So it was renewed and then they were just like, yeah, we're just going to make this into law because it's we... being racist. Are being racist. <laughs> so this also removed the right of Chinese americans in america to full citizenship so not only did it prohibit immigration chinese immigration to america but it also barred chinese people in america already from becoming citizens full citizens and this is where we get into the assimilation stuff the reasoning behind this is that they were like well chinese people can't truly assimilate to the american culture so they can't really be a part of this country they can't really follow the american dream so that could pause cause problems with us later so we're just like not gonna let them do it at all um what? because they're like chinese they're not american <laughs> um. yeah so it's again it's weird racist logic it's the kind of bs that races come up with to exclude their action or excuse their actions mm-hmm. it's there's nothing true behind it you know mm-hmm. um so this is what's significant about the Chinese Exclusion Act. And I do want to say not everyone in Congress is an approve approves of this. There's actually some really loud and outspoken voices and specifically that say this is un-American. This is against everything we stand for. Love it. And they are still overridden. Um, <laughs> so what's so significant about the Chinese Exclusion Act specifically is that this is the first time America passes a law 
that prohibits a single group of people from entering the United States. And we still see the ramifications yeah. of that today. Because what did we get a couple years ago? The Muslim, Muslim band. band. Yep. So we're still dealing with... Kaylee, Kaylee, it wasn't a ban on Muslims. I know. It was just a ban from mm-hmm. Middle Eastern countries. I know. <laughs> it was racism. It was racism. Uh, so students and merchants were permitted to enter, enter, but as the years passed, the categories that students and merchants fit into got more and more specific, and the categories for laborers, whatever the heck that means, got more and more broad. Mm. Um at the time of the act's passage, there was only around 105,000 Chinese people of the country, which if you're keeping track, that is two-tenths of 1% of the total population. Two-tenths of 1% of the population of America, and they felt obliged to limit immigration from one specific country. It's it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. I, I don't have words for that. <sighs> so this also restricted Chinese Americans from leaving uh, Chinese Americans from leaving the country. Uh, if you left the country, you had to get written permission from the government and a certificate saying that you were an American. Uh, you were a Chinese person living in America because, again, they weren't citizens. <laughs> um And soon they did away with that totally. And if you left America, you couldn't come back if you're Chinese. Um, so effectively this cuts off people from their homeland, from family they left behind. Remember most of these people who were coming over are laborers or who, or who had before this bill were laborers working. So they went and did the classic thing of I'm going to earn money and go back to my, my family or I'm going to send money back. And they're just completely cut off from that. And again, uh, this, Basically, this being legitimized in law uh, gave license to white Americans to be openly and violently racist towards Chinese people, which even adds to the more seclusion of Chinese people in Chinatowns. Because, again, they they didn't want to live with people who didn't like them. And they couldn't because no one would hire Chinese people or house them besides their own communities. So throughout the 1880s, there began a wave of anti-Chinese violence throughout the country. Uh, Tacoma, Washington expels its entire population of Chinese people at one point, which is eight to 900 people. Um, historians estimates historians estimate that there are around 300 similar quote-unquote purges of Chinese people from towns throughout the West. Chinese people didn't... Uh, one good thing, and again, it's left out of the story because there's this whole stereotype of Chinese people being meek and like mm-hmm. less yeah. bold than like your white American, but that's not true. There are so many, so many instances, just like Cat Story, just I just told, where Chinese people fought back. Between 1882 and 1905, there were no less than 10,000 lawsuits put through the legal system. Hell yeah. And if you think back to the population of only being 105,000, that's, 000, that's like, 10% of the population is putting through lawsuits. Raise hell. I yes. know. They were loud and they were outspoken and they were not going to just stand by and idly take this. There's so many. And when you think about too, the the fact that the people who were being allowed to come over were students. So they were educated and they were able to appeal to the court system and they knew how oh. to work the system. You kind of get like, no, these people weren't just like, oh, okay. No, they thought it was BS. And yeah. there were so many like 
there's you can find because people wrote to newspapers and everything you can find so many resources that are like this is un-american you know <laughs> um so i, I love it. yeah i thought that was really cool I, even in a crappy situation so when the law was made permanent in 1902 it states that all chinese people must carry a specific form to ensure that they are not immigrants that they lived in China already. Oh, no. If we you're thinking don't... about it, uh, <laughs> I know what Kat's thinking, um, but yep. I'm also thinking this is the green card. This yep. is our first yeah. instance of the green card. My brain but this went is also, both directions. Yep. Yeah. I know the other way because the other way is, oh, we're labeling people just like in the Holocaust. Mm, I don't like it. Yep. Mm, now, they weren't made to wear badges on their person, visible badges. So you had to like, carry it with you. But you had to carry it with you. And if you didn't have it on you, you were arrested. Okay, and I know that someone might hear this and be like, that's what's going to happen with vaccination cards. Vaccination is not mandatory. Yep. Um, and, and it's not a card specific is not, group of people. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's meant to help yeah. the community. We're not, we're not yep. like, we're, we're trying to, like, vaccination cards guarantee the health of the people around you. Exactly. Scientifically, so this mm-hmm. is not comparable. Do not use this as fodder for us supporting. Yeah, absolutely I, not. I, would, <laughs> I don't know if I would, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Because, like, having, vaccination having card, to that's show your such vaccination a different... to, like, enroll in a public university, yes. it's normal. Like, that's the meningitis yeah. thing. I exactly. had to do that. Like, yeah, I had to too. get my vaccinations before mm-hmm. coming to school. So, like, mm-hmm. this is not comparable. Guaranteeing it's the absolutely health of your not. community is not comparable to, to having to be segregated and by paper. blatant racism yeah. and anti-Semitism. So and... don't try to compare these two things, yeah. guys. <laughs> absolutely not. So, um, there is a, a Supreme Court case, um... And this is one of the cases that were put through the jury system because remember, Chinese people can't vote at this time, but so they went through the court system because they knew that's what they had to work with. So this, a man by the name of Wong Kim Art uh, in 1898 um, was the son of two Chinese immigrants, but he was born on American soil. Mm-hmm. So according to the 14th Amendment, he he's an American citizen. Yeah. So he takes this all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, in a landmark case, which sets the precedent for how the 14th Amendment is handled in this country, decides that, yes, he is a American citizen. Yes. So that is, and that's the precedent that those, uh, the 14th Amendment works off today. Because um, if you know anything about how Supreme Court cases work, I'm sorry, I don't know if y'all can hear that, but I just got a text message. <laughs> um, I know you can hear it because you're plugged into my computer, but. <laughs> okay, I think you um, can hear them on our recordings. Yeah, well, we'll find out, I guess. Um. So, sorry, I meant to, whatever. Um, so, if you know anything about how the Supreme Court works off of when you have an amendment and someone comes and challenges that amendment, the Supreme Court, whatever their decision is, sets the precedent. Mm-hmm. And once they have the precedent set, that's what they turn to whenever they have similar questions yeah. in the future. Um, so, this, is, this sets the precedent. And this is the first time that the 14th Amendment had ever been challenged for the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So big, huge deal. Thank God he won it because that would have changed a lot oh, of yeah. how we handle things. In 1906, there is a huge earthquake in San Francisco that decimates the town. Mm-hmm. This effectively destroys destroys all immigration-related records um, in San Francisco and Yay. for a lot of the Chinese people who live there and around the country. Because if you're coming into California, you're probably coming into Cal- San Francisco. So this makes it easier for new immigrants to fake documentation to make it into the country. And they actually come up with something called the paper sun system. So this would basically be an American Chinese person would, after these records were destroyed, they would go to the government office and be like, hey, 
So don't have this in your records anymore. But um, last year oh. I came back from my trip to China. And during that time, uh, while I was in China for a decade, I got married and had three sons. Oh. Oh. And now there's three spots for Chinese immigrants to come because you were that person's son. Oh. And so they came up with the system and then they would go sell those spots, the paper sun spots, to people in China who wanted to come to America. I thought you were going to just say people didn't have to, like, document themselves again after they lost paperwork. Oh, no. No, they definitely did. But they found out ways to work the system. But... Unfortunately, because of this, it led to the opening of Angel Island in 1910. Ah. So Angel Island is an island off the coast of California uh, that is an immigrant processing and detainment center. It is the basically uh, West Coast version of Ellis Island, where but Ellis Island was not turned into a detainment center until 1924. Yeah. Ellis Island was only a processing center before then. So no one was ever held in Ellis we Island. Do an episode if, over at Ellis Island. Yeah, we should. Um, Running down. Yeah, if they were to, if they were ever held in Ellis Island, it wasn't for more than like a few days, and it wasn't ever a big deal. It was probably related to illness or something like that. But in Angel Island, people were held and detained until they could prove that they weren't Chinese laborers, and. Um, uh, that they had basically, they could immigrate to America. So Ellis Island, as I said earlier, only turned around or turned away around one to two percent of the people who came through its doors, whereas Angel Island would turn away eighteen percent. Um, and those are of the people who are coming, oh. because you have to consider like, with the Chinese Immigration Act, it's been enacted for several decades now. People who don't meet that criteria aren't coming. So only people who think they can make it through are coming. I'm trying to think of how many people die on that journey. Yeah. I mean, medicine's a little bit better, but like mm-hmm. how many people die just on yep. ships and in the process to risk only to, only to be turned away. Turned away. Yeah. Trip. And what's worse is that uh, those that were either turned away or allowed to immigrate into America would only be able to do so after a period of intense questioning to determine their eligibility for American the right to live in America. Because remember, they're not citizens yet. And this period of evaluation could last anywhere from two weeks to one year. In fact, the longest that we know of on record was 756 days. (gasps) So um, in 1917, America passes an even more exclusive anti-immigration law that severely limits immigration from any country east of Turkey. Oh, come on, guys. So they expand the Chinese Exclusion Act to be any country east of Turkey. That's... Uh-huh, uh-huh. In 1921, they expand this to include both Southern and Eastern Europe. Because the only people we want in America are Western Europeans, because... <laughs> I don't even have words for it at I this know. point. I'm just kind of like sitting here in a daze. I know. In 1924, a quota is put on... I'm sorry, someone just walked by Cat's apartment and like made the weirdest noise. They can probably hear it. I hope they can. Oh my god. So in 1924, a quota is put on immigration to the United States. Keep in mind, before 1924, specifically in the war years, immigrants to America numbered around 1 million per year. 
Yeah, the war did number. Do you know what the cap is? No. Don't tell. Oh my God. They allowed 150,000 immigrants to America per year after 1924. So we go from 1 million to 150,000 total. Western Europe included. And how they did this is of the 150,000 people allowed in America, they would kind of parse out which yeah, countries yeah, yeah. could have X amount of immigrants. Like they had a quota each. Yeah. yeah. So, of okay. course, Western Europe got the most. What I find really interesting is that this is like these groups of people who are so willing to restrict American populations from, other, from non-European yep. groups are some of the same people that now like condemn the Chinese one po- child policy. I know. Now, yeah. and it's like, do you not yeah. care? You care when it's your own people, but mm-hmm. you don't care when you do it to other people. I know. And that's really it, weird it, to me. It's, it's infuriating. And so with these, um, with these quotas that each country was given, China was left out altogether. And so were most Asian countries. So no Chinese people are legally allowed to immigrate to America at this point. Not a shocker, but it's still disgusting. So, and we lived that way until World War II. And uh, so, as we know, Chinese, China is an ally during World War II, mm-hmm. which all of a sudden really, really conflicts with the propaganda against Chinese people before World War II. And also, we should note that China took the biggest losses in world war two other than russia like china was fighting that front for Mm -hmm. years more than america like to demonize china and then try to ally with them was yeah oh it was they they, all of a sudden walked itself into a wall yeah all of a sudden they were like oh shit these people we've been talking demonizing exactly for decades we're actually their friends and we have to make all this wartime propaganda about how we have to support Chinese people. But America's still the best, even though we haven't been fighting that long. And, yeah. Um, uh, we're, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> so all of a sudden in 1943, we see a push for um, more rights to be given to Chinese people. Uh, and this, uh, well, not in 1943, but uh, during the war, once America enters in 1941, we see a push for Chinese people to be better respected as they should be um and uh, basically this is also a really bad look for america because everyone's kind of like the whole world is looking at america and being like hey aren't you the one that's like freedom for everyone but you can't even be nice to the people who are literally your allies oops (laughs) so in 1943 i am losing my place in my notes So, <laughs> oh my god, I can't find it. So anyway, basically, the Chinese Exclusion Act is, is officially ended in 1943. Hmm. However, uh, that means that China is just added to the same quota uh, thing that, that every other country yeah. is. And they were literally given the bare minimum amount of immigrants that were allowed into America. So between 1943 and 1965, only 105 Chinese immigrants were allowed to immigrate per year. 105. Uh, uh, not 105,000, <laughs> like but 105. 100, not 105,000. 105. I'm sorry. Like, I have what? more money in my bank account. Like, <laughs> like, Do you? Because I don't know if I do. I don't care. I do. <laughs> I do for once. Yeah. yeah. So insane. Right. I just, I can't, 
Because like an incomprehensibly small what, number what again. The, I, I, it just blows my mind because this is not that long ago. This is in the fifties. We were born in the same century. As I this. know, and I know, like I know a lot of Chinese people, and it's like, how did this go? There's probably only like two hundred thousand Chinese people in the country at this point. Maybe more. Maybe oh I'm gosh. being like a low end of the estimate. I didn't look it up, but there's only a couple hundred thousand at most. And now, like, it's just such a normal part. I'm just like, how? That's so bizarre. Yeah. That's so different than America is today. It's just, it's crazy to and me. And hopefully our, our, the next generation, I'm just going to say our kids, but I don't yeah. know if either of us are planning on having kids. Yeah. And I don't want to make that assumption for you. But, yeah. like, um, the next generations, hopefully, will look at us and say and be the like, same Whoa, thing. I know. I, I hope know. that for them. Because that means that diversity yeah. is going to mm-hmm. be more... It, there's going to be more exposure yeah. to diversity yeah. in the next generations. I hope that for them. Yeah, me too. But the good thing about, even though this is like a laughable number of Chinese immigrants allowed, the good thing is, is that they were finally granted the right of being able to become naturalized citizens, which mm-hmm. also means they're given the right to vote. At least men are. Um, so in the 1950s, public sentiment would turn back towards immigrants. And we began to get this rhetoric of America is a country of immigrants. We are built by immigrants, blah, 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 mm-hmm. which is great. Um, because this ultimately resulted in the uh, Immigration Act of 1965. I don't know if that's the official name for it, but it's an act of uh, that addresses immigration issues in America. So basically, this ended the quota thing. They're like, we're not doing that anymore. Of course, we are having a lot, a whole different conversation yeah. uh, with immigration. Since the 60s, yeah. Yes, yeah, so finally, with 1965, Chinese Amer- Chinese people were allowed to immigrate in America to America just like anyone else. So after almost a whole decade, 80 years of being excluded from America and the only people group to be excluded from America at this time, they are finally allowed to to come back. So today, Chinese and Asian Americans in general are still seen as other, although it's definitely not as bad. We still have problems with stereotypes and... um, I think the coronavirus has made that worse. Absolutely. I, that's a bullet. <laughs> so uh, we also have these this idea of like the model minority myth, which of course is damaging to itself because it paints all Chinese people and Asian people as one monolith when that is not the case. Um, and uh, in 2011, the House of Representatives and the Senate both officially condemned and apologized for the Chinese Exclusion Act. But again, what does that really do? And of course, we're seeing the legacy of this anti-Asian policy being, you know, in in the forefront of our minds Mm -hmm. now with um, coronavirus and how people treat COVID and the perceptions around Chinese people specifically. I literally Um, had someone make a comment about the like a racist comment and it's sad because he in no way intended it to be racist yeah but it's one of those things like unless you are aware of what Mm -hmm. you're saying at all times and you understand how damaging your stereotypes are yeah he had no clue he was being racist Uh and it Uh was just one of those like moments where i was like you know yeah Mm -hmm. so again immigration issues are relevant extremely to today it's a different group of people but it's still the same story it's the same the same story different actors you yeah. know what i mean it's we're still dealing with these this perception that immigrants are stealing our jobs yeah that we should be afraid of them that they're dangerous that you know all of that stuff yeah um that they're more damaging than- yeah they're gonna ruin yeah. the american country all that stuff it's p.s all of it and we're still um, diversity because of all of these things yeah like, 
Mm -hmm. there's this fear around the idea of like what would happen if we actually like got along and shared culture yeah i know and it's it's ridiculous whatever just everyone get along (laughs) sometimes it makes me so sad thinking of what we could be i know what a true melting pot experiment i know oh my god and if we hadn't literally run into this country and been like genocide i know so, uh, again, um, I wanted to end just like I ended the Spanish flu episode with, uh, some ama- oh, an amazing resource for Asian American specific Island, Pacific Islander, uh, issues, which is stop AAPI hate. This is a nonprofit organization formed to address the growing problem, um, of violence against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders since the pandemic started. Uh, you can donate. They have some pretty cool merch on their site, so you can donate that way and get a sticker out of it. Um, and they also have a lot of resources if you want to educate yourself more about issues that Asian American populations face in America. But yeah, they're a really cool organization, and I encourage you to look out. And that's it for me. Oh my God. Well, I talked for so long. I'm no, so sorry. I was going to say thank you, actually, because I feel like I actually just got a comprehensive Good. gist of an entire like country's discriminatory policies Good. towards Chinese people. And yeah. that's something that's incredibly comprehensive lists are so much harder to do than mm-hmm. a single event in history. Like I did. So no matter how long it took, thank you for doing it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Again, I owe it most of it to that PBS documentary. It did a great job. And if you want to learn more and probably in a much better and more eloquent, eloquent way, you can go watch that PBS documentary. It's free. Um, I really appreciate that. Though. Yeah. Like, and, What's, I'm sorry that we both no. did Chinese topics because there's a lot there's more a Chinese more to API like yeah. culture and everything. And I think both of us, because of the lack of it in our personal education, both yeah. jumped on it when we saw it because we were like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, didn't know this was a thing. Exactly. Because there were so many parts. Because I knew what the Chinese Exclusion Act was, but my my education on it was just like, oh, and then they stopped letting Chinese people in. Yeah. But they didn't say why. Yeah. They didn't say what happened after. They yeah. didn't say, I didn't know it lasted until 1943. No idea. I, yeah. I had no idea. No clue. So I didn't even know they had that quota on immigrants yeah, in I'm 1924. Gonna, I'm going to definitely do other episodes to yeah. cover other parts of history. I think we both just, yeah. because we didn't discuss it beforehand, <laughs> no, we, we both did Yeah. History. No. And I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. And no, obviously, no, no. I hope that everyone understands that these are not the only stories we're going to be covering yeah. in these topics. Yeah. So. Um, a lot more. Yeah. And I mean. It, it goes to show how Eurocentric my education was. And I grew up in a, Me too. a, a upper middle, light class, yeah. uh, middle America little school yeah. room most of the time. So, I mean, I remember watching that at the museum mm-hmm. and actively noticing that in the scene where they're, um, where Jebediah, not Jebediah. Um, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson's character. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Octav- it's Octavius and... Oh my gosh! I think it name? is Jebediah. Je- it it's something. Yeah, I think it is that he yells yeah. that name at one point. But like, yeah. I remember seeing that that part where they tie him down to the railroad with the railroad spikes. Uh-huh. There were Chinese men in that yeah. scene, and I remember my brain going like, "Was that something?" Like, like yeah. noting that difference. So, and Nineveh Museum actually has some very inclusive parts of it that yeah. I appreciate. But I remember watching that and being like, "Oh, we're Chinese people, so, Americans, part of the like transcontinental railroad," and realizing mm-hmm. there's so much in our history that we're just not getting taught. exactly. And one really interesting thing that I didn't mention um, because it's kind of more about the railroad story than this mm-hmm. story. But that infamous picture of when the two railroads met yeah. in Utah, that infamous picture when they're like cheersing and there's all those people, mm-hmm. there's no Chinese people in that picture. 
because they were totally oh my gosh, you're right. removed from that picture, even though they did the work and they did the hard part too. They had to go through the fucking Rocky Mountains. Like Ooh, they uh. did the grueling, difficult parts of that, of that railroad. Yeah. And they were just completely left out of that history. And it's so interesting that even a photograph, and it's a significant photograph because it's at a huge point in time for the country. Dang. They're just left out of it. So, yeah, and it's ugh, it's so interesting, but it's so upsetting and so frustrating. And I think it says a lot about how America functions and yeah. how it continues to function and the legacy we're playing off today. Yeah, and there are racial fissures that we need to be repairing, not mm-hmm. just you know, with the obvious communities that we're hearing about. Because, I mean, when something really, I mean, we're coming, it's almost a year exactly that George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. And I so, think it was a year exactly a year yesterday. Exactly, yesterday? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think so too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's like saying, you know, like, save the Amazon rainforest. That doesn't mean we're going to ignore all the other rainforests in the world yeah. that are being hurt. But there's if there's one at the time that mm-hmm. needs your help, and has the momentum, like, you help carry it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's not to say we should just focus on one thing at a time, but I think there's been one conversation to me, at least that was very prominent and mm-hmm. I was exposed to, and there's definitely more that I need to be paying attention yeah. to. Yeah. Cause I've always thought too, because where I'm from in Houston, there's a lot of Mexican immigrants and I, you know, learning about the civil rights. I'm like, where are the Mexican people in the story? Yeah. You know what I mean? I like in San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the two, so like when we're learning about this, we're like, okay, yes, black people had the biggest need. They were facing the most, racial discrimination and problems with that yeah but there's huge parts of the population that are left out of this and where are they you know Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting like use those resources kaylee gave us thank you so much for a comprehensive history on that thank you i tried my best a lot to get yeah it took me you did thank you it took me a while to like get my head around this but once i did it was fine but like just to tackle like such a big i honestly i wasn't expecting it to be that big because remember yeah our history was oh it happened it and happened then, and it was done yeah and it wasn't but no it wasn't and nothing in history is done they yeah. it is the ripple effect uh-huh. of the centuries yeah like, it just never stops so <sighs> well thank you so much for tuning in on this fine tuesday morning or whenever time of day or day of the week you're listening to this yeah um follow us on our twitter at t-i-n-a-h-l podcast Yep. Uh, email us at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. And please, 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 please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. That, that really helps help. us so much. If we have more ratings of Apple, on Apple Podcasts, then they push us up in the algorithm and more people get to find out. Yeah. Um, so that really, really helps us. And uh, you can download. I'm pretty sure you can. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I'm pretty sure you can download Apple Podcasts if you don't have an Apple phone. I don't, I don't know. know if that's true, but I know you can get it on your computer. Oh, cool. Regardless of what device. So there's no excuses, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. and other Let us hear from you from reviews and um, email or Twitter. If there's a yeah. story you really want to hear, something you feel like we're missing or looking over, let us know. We only have a few episodes in the grand scheme of things, but hopefully someday we cover vast stretches of history. Yeah. Ugh. That's the goal, right? Yeah. So yeah. let us hear from you, um, and you'll hear from us in another week. Yeah. And this was not... A history lecture. Bye-bye. Bye.